I don't ask anybody's question but yours. Is he in? He is! Dungey with another touchdown run! Because you're an idiot. It's not how tall, it's how long, and Warwick got a piece of that. And really, a disloyal person. And a few other things I could add, but I'll, I'm not going to. Ennis, two seconds. He'll get a shot off on the way. Got it! He hit it! He hit the shot! Man, it would have been nice to have Tyler Ennis last night and hitting a clutch shot down the stretch. But instead, Syracuse falters down the stretch. NC State goes on a big run. And without Elijah Hughes, the Orange Falls 79-74 here to break it down on Locked on Syracuse. Tim Leonard with Tyler Rocky. Tyler, it just stings even more, I feel like, because Hughes didn't play in this one. So now it's kind of the what-if game because this was a game you had to have and just terrible timing to lose not only your best player, but one of the best players in the conference right before Absolutely the game. Absolutely bone-crunching L there. And it feels like... I won't, I won't call it the dagger in the season, but you've got a long road ahead of you, and you're going to have to perform in the ACC tournament now. So, yeah, the Elijah injury, that was, I mean, you can't plan for that stuff. You're, you really just can't. And as a, a product of that, you're losing one of your go-to scorers in a game where you knew you were probably going to need some offense. And it, it just, I mean, the timing of it all, and Jim Beheim even talked about it a little bit. We're going to hear from some Beheim and, and Buddy later on in the show, yeah. but just, it's a weird thing, isn't it? I mean, getting hurt in warmups is just, I mean, Beheim even kind of mentioned it, that you don't see that at all, and, and he had never no. seen it in, in all of his years of coaching. So, wonky game overall, back and forth, honestly a pretty good game, pretty entertaining game for the most part, but it was, I mean, it's tough. It's tough to win when you lose yeah. your best guy and you know you're going to need offense. Yeah, on one hand, it's kind of impressive that they were up six with six and a half minutes left. I mean, at the 6.15 mark, they're up 68-62. Gerard's having this career game. Gary A was so good in the first 30 minutes. And I know we've kind of been waiting for Gary A to have a game like this and stay out of foul trouble, and that finally came together when they really needed him. But obviously, when you only get 10 points from Bayheim, who just couldn't hit anything and credit Devin Daniels we talked about that in the preview pod that Daniels is the type of guy that matches up pretty well against a Buddy Bayheim or an Elijah Hughes it turns out he guards Bayheim in this game he goes two for eight from three four for 15 Syracuse makes just three threes in this game NC State makes 11 on 25 attempts and it did feel like the two three zone defense was fine, but that three point disparity, you're just not going to win many games when you make eight less threes than the opponent. Right. And I think when you break it all down, too, the, you, you didn't expect NC State to shoot as well as they did from three tonight. I mean, they shot 44%. That's almost 15% higher than their season average. And so they just kind of had it going from distance tonight. I mean, you bring up Devin Daniels, he hits a pair, CJ Bryce. It's four of them, and then Markel Johnson gets it going off the bench as well. So when, when there's those weapons, and it wasn't just that. It was the timeliness of some of those threes, too. Like when you, you got to a certain point and you felt like uh, you're in a little bit of an offensive rut, but boom, there's a Bryce three. Boom, there's a Johnson three. So the timeliness kind of had that dagger impact in this game. And then, yeah, like you said, I mean, great game for Joe Girard today in terms of points, 30 points, career high. But if you told me that Joe Girard was going to score 30 points and go one for 10 from three, I just it's wouldn't nuts. have seen it coming. Yeah. I, I, I've, I wouldn't have seen it. And 
that kind of tells you everything that you need to know about what happened with this game and and just the fact that they couldn't get anything going from distance frustrating because only two guys on your team shot threes all right buddy and, and joe gerard and that just shows the yeah. impact of losing elijah hughes because that's another guy just a third offensive weapon that can give you well actually he's, he's the first offensive weapon they're the second and third offensive weapons but just another guy that can keep defenders honest from distance and you got to credit what what the freshmen did in this game, and they they performed well, albeit Gerard not not as well as you would have liked from three, but they were Still, attacking, yeah. and, and they stepped up. And I mean, the Orange laid it all out there today. You, you can't be much more yeah. proud than than what you saw today. That's the that's the weird thing about this is it did feel like they actually played pretty good to even have a chance because we know how valuable Hughes is to this team. 30 points for Gerard is a career high. He only has one turnover, and it felt like he was dominating possession. And I continue to be impressed with Gerard. Right. And just the way he carries himself, even after the game, and we'll get to some of the sound we heard from Coach Beheim and Buddy Beheim in a little bit, but Gerard was just – you would have thought he went 0 for 15 – tonight all he cares about is winning he was so monotone so dejected after the game but again that speaks to him just playing beyond his years and kind of being off the court beyond his years as well I was thoroughly impressed with him and Quincy tonight who sets a career high as well so you get two career highs 16 points 10 rebounds from Quincy doesn't get him foul trouble you can't ask for much more from the freshman and that's why it makes this loss almost kind of weird to look back on because it doesn't feel like Syracuse didn't do their best tonight I mean they had a lot of things go their way but then the glaring issue is Buddy and his five turnovers yeah I mean for for me and I listen I checked the the pack pride message boards mid-game okay they were buzzing they (laughs) they they were were very peeved at the fact that they were going up against two career performances they 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 heard the broadcast they they heard all the stats and all that stuff and well, you didn't get Elijah right, Hughes. Right, I know. So, so what are you complaining upset? about? But I mean, it's pack pride. They got to have something up their can at all times. So when I look at this, and I want to give a little nickname now to, to Quincy and Joe Girard. And, and you know what? We'll even throw Jesse Edwards in there, too, because he, he did a solid job off the bench as well today. Yeah. Um, but we're going to call them the Clementines now, right? The baby oranges. You ever had a Clementine before? It's just a little orange. And eventually, oh, yeah. it's great. So you got I your freshman, it. your young oranges in there. Jesse Edwards. Uh, and Quincy Garrier and and Joe Girard today. They all they all stepped up in, in a game where the Orange really needed them. But I think that just kind of shows you. I mean, it it feels like the last couple of years we've been talking about the depth of this team and how depth is always going to be a strength. And even this year, we're talking, oh, this team could be ten deep. And and Beheim kind of nixes that about midway through the season. And it kind of brings me back to this Mike Bray quote where. He says, depth is overrated in games and underrated in practice, all right? And Mike Bray, yeah. the longtime head coach of the Notre Dame Fighting Irish, and I think we're kind of seeing that with this Orange team. You lost Elijah Hughes, but you're supposed to have all this depth, but who's going to come in and replace Elijah Hughes? It just doesn't exist. Yeah, I don't think I realized that they legit only have three three-point shooters until he's left. Right. And you lose 33 And maybe we would have seen a little more if, if Bryson Gooding got some more minutes today. And he was the first guy off the bench. Yeah. And we didn't see Howard Washington. Right. I'm a little surprised Beheim didn't try to mix it up. But, again, 
what are you going to do? You don't really need to move Buddy Beheim to the forward position, right? You don't need yeah, to do he that. He played there a little bit. It was weird. There was a lot of rotating. And the foul the trouble wasn't as bad game. today as no, well. But I still don't know how Sadiq right. fouled. He had what? Four he had games two... in a row. I thought it, I saw I thought I saw it was seven two at the half games in a row. Maybe that was that tweet was wrong. Oh but no! It yeah it's He's, or no 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 it's seven straight games of four fouls. Seven straight games of four yeah, fouls is what it I was. I think fourteen of the last four, fifteen yeah. now he has reached four fouls and four games in a row he's fouled out. And he had two at the half, then two by the sixteen minute mark more. So four at the sixteen minute mark didn't play until about the four minute mark and then picked up another. And this kind of so. brings us back to the the two foul participation stat that we brought up on yesterday's preview show. And it's just like yeah. if you're getting quality minutes out of Jesse Edwards, what's the point? I mean what what does Barama Sadibe do so much better at this point than Jesse Edwards? Okay, maybe he's a little bit better defensively, but I mean look at the rebounding numbers and the points numbers. Jesse Edwards, in half the time out there on the floor, had more rebounds, more points. He did have the three fouls, which is kind of alarming, but he, he had the interior mm-hmm. presence, too. He had a block. Barama didn't. I mean, this team was not strong inside today. That's for sure. You look at a shot chart, yeah. there are a lot of red, or a lot, a lot of green dots in that painted area. Only two blocks for Syracuse today. And against a team that really doesn't shoot well from three, and yes, they had a good day from three, but... You're going to compound that with their ability to play well inside. You're not going to win games. You you really aren't. And it's just, it's a shame because this was a game that it felt like Syracuse had. And everything kind of went off the rails in those final six or so minutes. Tough losing Elijah Hughes right before the game. We will hear from the head coach, Jim Beheim on what Hughes' status is now going forward with Florida State on Saturday. That's next. Sound check on the other side. 79-74, the final. NC State wins the matchup of bubble teams. Tim Leonard back with Tyler Aki here on Locked on Syracuse. Don't forget, you can follow us on Twitter at LO underscore Syracuse. That's at LO underscore Syracuse. I was at the game tonight, Tyler. A tough, tough loss as we're recording this right after the game. Syracuse, 39% from the floor, 16% from three-point range. Just not going to win many games when you're doing that. They did win the rebounding battle, which is kind of surprising. And the offensive rebounding battle, too. Yeah, 37-32 rebounds-wise, and that was something we keyed in on. Funderburk really didn't do much. It was mostly Devin Daniels. Right, and and you brought up Daniels. And and, uh, credit to you for doing the scouting on that because, I mean, Daniels – Locked down Buddy Beheim. And then at points in the game, you saw him switch on to Gerard too. And, I mean, it wasn't just Daniels, but he everyone contained Gerard from outside last night. And, I mean, Daniels, I don't think we saw this coming from him offensively. He had the, the team high, 23 points high. for him. So he, he made it happen tonight. He really did. And um, when you look at everything that, that kind of happened in this game, there were, there were opportunities for both teams to seize it. And it didn't feel like Syracuse ever sees it. There was that point with about six minutes left. I think it was Buddy hit a three, and then Jesse Edwards had a layup. And that kind of felt like, okay, that's Syracuse's chance to get a momentum, and and then a timeout comes in. And Pac Pride's going crazy because they need that timeout, and and Kevin Keats is finally calling timeouts. (laughs) I I even saw some Pac Pride posts where they were like, 
I guess Keats Googled what the little dots below our score mean in reference to the to oh, the score man. bug and the timeouts. Um, so, yeah, Pack Pride can't be happy even in a win, but hey, they got one. And yeah, no, it's it's a tough pill to swallow this morning for Syracuse fans. That's definitely yeah for certain. Six fifteen mark. And that's kind of that time period you were talking about. They go up 68-62, largest lead of the game with 6.15 left. Six-point lead, you come out of a timeout, and then from 6.15 to 2.30, it's a 15-2 NC State run. That included the bank three from Daniels, and it did just feel like things weren't going their way with the sideline out of bounds that was kind of controversial. That they Yeah, that was odd. Did you see Dior's State. tweet? He tweeted about it. Yeah, saying that they robbed He's him. Been all over yeah. Twitter. Yeah. But remember, Baisley was also say. all over the Qs on Twitter too. He even got like some jo- yep. custom Jordan Ten, uh, custom Jordan Ten Qs uh, shoes too. Right around after he committed. Oh, right. So let's not again. Twenty twenty two is a long ways away. But let's get back to the game. But yeah, no, th- that call was unbelievable. I mean, I don't know if Beheim yeah. said anything about it after the game, but. Nah, he never really speaks on right. the refs, but he did He did talk about Elijah Hughes and his injury and had some interesting things to say about what the prognosis is going forward now. Hopefully we get Elijah back. We'll see. We don't know what's going to happen with him, so we won't know until probably Saturday uh, whether he'll be able to go. But, you know, just things like that happens. It's unusual. I've never had a player in 44 years get hurt in the warm-ups, but first time for everything, I guess. Disappointing. Disappointing. It is disappointing, and it's it's really tough, as we said, to find that out. I mean, that's the first time in 44 years he said that he's been coaching in warm-ups. And, you know, there's that whole legend that I think Mike Waters kind of unveiled about why Syracuse doesn't do a shoot-around when they're on road games is because one of their players got hurt in a shoot-around, and Beheim said, I'm not doing that anymore. But in warm-ups, right before the game, I mean, it's not like they had time to practice without Elijah Hughes. They never do that, he says, and why would you, given how big he is? Right, and it's not like this team has battled a lot of injuries. I mean, think about these last couple of years for Bayheim. Overall, you've been pretty blessed with your star's health. I mean, Tyus Battle had some scares here and there, um, and then Frank Howard, obviously, the suspension last year, but it's it's been pretty smooth sailing. I mean, that Final Four team in 2016 – they started the same lineup every single game, from game one to the to the loss against UNC in the Final Four. So health has certainly been on this team's side for a good portion of these last couple of years, and you're just starting to see the lumps of that, and especially when you, when you lose a guy like Hughes. That's so tough. That's so tough to yeah. overcome. And a lot of these players... Because remember, yes, yes, Elijah Hughes sat out for that one year. So you could be saying, oh, well, they have played without Hughes for a little bit. But look at the roster. A lot of these guys haven't played without Hughes. It's a lot of new faces out no. there. I mean, four guys that saw playing time today were freshmen. Four. Four of the nine. Yeah, that's the only four that can play out of the freshmen because Bola Jacques obviously is, is redshirting. So, mm-hmm. yeah, it's tough. I mean – Obviously, then a lot of pressure falls on Buddy to step up. And as we said, Devin Daniels was all over him in this game. Five turnovers for Buddy, four for 15 from the floor, two turnovers late that were kind of sloppy. And 
He kind of took some ownership after the game. They just were aggressive. Uh, Daniels is a really physical defender, did a good job. Uh, Johnson's a quick defender. I just got to gotta be smarter, know when to pick my places to attack. And, you know, bad, bad game for me. I got to be a lot better than that for us to win, especially without Elijah. You know, that's kind of good to hear from Buddy, even though it's a tough thing to hear, obviously, when he has a game like that. But I do like to hear that he understands that it's kind of on him a little bit. And by all accounts, he's the hardest worker or one of the hardest workers on the Syracuse team. I'm sure he'll bounce back. It's just a shame because this was an opportunity really for him to – it would have been great for him to have one of those 20-point games while Hughes is out. And then all the pressure fell on Gerard and Garrier, who did all they could. But it's just not going to be enough unless you get Bayheim and Dolzhai to play a little bit better. And they each had five turns. And the thing about that, too, is – Buddy was, was of course, struggling out of the gate. And then there was a stretch in that first half where he kind of felt it wasn't his night. And so he starts facilitating, doing some other stuff. I mean, he had four steals in this game. He, he tried to impact the game in other ways, even led the team in assists with three. But then it got back to him chucking bad shots. And, and not yeah. just him, but Gerard as well. I mean, there were some very ill-advised shots in this game for both of the guards. And that needs to be shored up. And we're starting to see that trend a little bit come out of Gerard lately where he, he does take some bad shots and some real head scratchers. And I don't know if he's been given the keys to the car to basically shoot whenever and he's earned that, that trust from Beheim. But I would like to see some, some better possessions out of this Orange team offensively because there is a lot of offensive firepower now. So why not work for that best shot? And they're not getting it on a lot of possessions now. And to me, that, that has to change. That has to change for Saturday against Florida State, one of the most stifling teams in the country who's going to be angry now coming off a loss against Duke. So, the, I mean, yeah, the shooting absolutely. has to be better. And I think it will be better, too. Well, just look at the numbers here. Seven assists. I mean, that's one of their lower outputs of the year. And then also 15 turnovers. All year, they've been great in terms of assist-to-turnover ratio. Third best in the ACC, top 40 in the country. And you only get seven assists. NC State gets 16 assists. There were a lot of turnovers in this game. State had 19. We kind of previewed that, too. We both expected that. Yeah. Yeah, but I didn't expect them to kind of fall into the isolation ball as much as they did without Elijah Hughes because all year that's been one of the improvements with this team is better passing. They're top 30 in the country in assists per field goals made on Ken Palm. Tonight without Hughes, it did feel a little bit like that offense we saw last year at times. A lot of dribbling, a lot of isolation, and I get it. I mean, I'm not blaming him too much because without Hughes that changes everything and he couldn't really prepare right it's kind of interesting you bring up the the that's like the offense from last year so one of the big takeaways that I've kind of seen between last year's offense and this year's offense last year's offense whenever it was a three-point game which for last night's NC State game it was a three-point game when the Orange was trying to play catch-up for a little bit a three-point game last year felt like two possessions it felt like you were two possessions away. Meanwhile, this year, a three-point game feels like one possession with the your shooters and just the fact that you can heat up quickly, get some offense going. Now, tonight, that three-point game felt like two possessions for a good amount, in, especially when we got to that under-six period in the second half. Yeah. So definitely something that... I don't expect to continue just because we've seen this was a blip in the radar. Again, you don't have your best player 
and the the offense just kind of struggled. So we'll we'll see. It, it's going to be interesting on Saturday against Florida State. Is this team going to fold because this is a really I'm I'm not saying it's a bad loss, but it's it's a game that you needed to win kind of. Like NC State getting a loss to NC State isn't a bad loss on the resume, but when everything comes down to it, and again, you got to think ACC tournament two, you're all fighting. For, there's a big pack of teams fighting for that fourth spot. A fourth spot in the ACC tournament is a double bye. And that's huge yeah, this year. Huge. Right. I don't know. And the other thing to follow up on one of those stats that we brought up in the previous show, NC State tonight, 48 field goal attempts. So that's the lowest in the Kevin Keats era here in year three. And before that, the fewest was the two times he played Syracuse before this with 49 field goal attempts. Syracuse had 64 field goal attempts, so they have 60 yeah. more shots, but they just don't make any threes tonight. And now we will break down what this means going forward tournament-wise. That's next on Locked on Syracuse. If you've been a listener of this podcast, I'm sure you've heard all the great advertisers working with Locked On to reach sports fans. But you may not know that Locked On Syracuse is a great way for your local business to reach passionate Orange fans just like you. Unlike any other podcast, Locked On gives your local company the unique ability to reach local podcast listeners. Not just any podcast listener, a Locked On podcast listener. If your company wants to connect with Syracuse fans in a predominantly male audience that is well-educated with disposable income, then let's put your company right here on this Locked On podcast. Local fans love to support local businesses. Text the word advertising to 33777 or visit LockedOnPodcast.com slash advertising. Let us know who you are. We'll get our team to help your team achieve Locked On advertising success. Once again, text the word advertising to 33777 or visit LockedOnPodcast.com backslash advertising. We look forward to hearing from you. All right, we are back. Tim Leonard with Tyler Rocky. Don't forget, follow the pod on Twitter at LO underscore Syracuse, Locked On Syracuse, every single day into your podcast feeds. Please feel free to subscribe, rate, download, do any nice things you'd like. We appreciate all the Feedback and reviews, as always, recapping Syracuse, NC State, 79-74, NC State wins it. So now, Tyler, the obvious question is, how do you get back to the bubble from here? And you've got two chances with top 10 games. The big what if is, is Elijah Hughes going to play? I'm not overly optimistic about that, but in order to get back, I mean, you at least have to win one of the next two, and you might even have to win both after losing this. Right, these are the two toughest games remaining on your schedule and I mean no no knock against Duke but these are arguably the two toughest games on the schedule because I mean first of all you're going on the road for both of them right Louisville's got a player of the year candidate in Jordan Wara that's coming up next week and Florida State's just all around balanced I mean they're just a quality quality basketball team Leonard Hamilton's got it figured out this year in Tallahassee they're a real threat to I mean, win it all. They are a threat to win it all, plain and simple. I mean, both of these next two teams are. And if you have a chance to knock one of them off, I don't think you have to win two. And I think asking them to win two, especially on the road, pretty infeasible. But pick off one. If you can pick off one, you're squarely back on that bubble, especially when you look at the the rest of the ACC. I mean, tonight was was worst-case scenario for Syracuse because – 
they had, again, there's that big clump of teams right in that middle kind of vying for that fourth spot in the ACC, and you lose to NC State, one of those teams. You don't have another chance to play NC State down at PNC, so you lose the season series, so boom, there's that tiebreaker gone. Meanwhile, on the other side, you've got Virginia and Notre Dame playing, a team, both teams of which you've played twice. If you're Syracuse, you're probably rooting for Notre Dame to win that game because that way it would dump Virginia down a game. They don't gain any ground on you, but Virginia, in classic Virginia fashion, uh, they pull out an overtime victory, 50-49, to 49, under 100 points in an overtime game in college basketball here <laughs> in the year 2020. So it's nuts. Again, that's what we've come to expect now with with the Wahoos, and that's what we got tonight. And that doesn't help Syracuse moving forward because I think you would have liked to stay a little more level with Virginia and, and clump up that fourth spot as opposed to dropping yourself back and clumping up the fifth spot. The fact that those two teams play tonight, kind of interesting because those are your two quad one wins right now for Syracuse mm-hmm. on the road at Virginia, on the road at Notre Dame, but... That's just not going to get it done. You've got to have more in that column. And all year I've been looking at the schedule and I've been playing this hypothetical game. And I always pointed to the final stretch of the last five games after we get through Florida State and Louisville. So February 22nd on, starting with Georgia Tech at home, Pittsburgh on the road, UNC, who's obviously down at home, and then BC Miami on the road to finish. That's all teams above 78 or higher on Ken Palm. All teams you're probably favored to beat, with the exception of maybe Pittsburgh on the road. And I thought, you know what? If they rattle off five in a row, and then they go to the ACC tournament in Greensboro, and they pick up maybe two, get to the semifinals, that might be enough, even if you don't beat Florida State or Louisville. But now, after tonight, it does feel like you have to go on a deep run in the ACC tournament, or you maybe somehow, in true Syracuse fashion, pull off two upsets at at Florida State and at Louisville. And in a way, they've actually been kind of better than home this year. That's the big thing is now you're 10-6 and six at home. You don't even have a quad two one at home. The, your best home one is Pittsburgh, who's 78 on Ken Palm. I mean, that's not going to yeah, get Yeah, it's done. tough. And I, it's crazy. I mean, for a team that has had a great home court advantage pretty much since Bayheim got here, and now this is what's happening. It's... It's a shame because this team could have really done some damage if they had picked up a few more home games here and there. And it's probably going to hold them back from making the tournament this year. Just I, w- I won't say like pick up a couple of the gimmies, but there, there were some games where you really should have won. You really should have won. Yeah. And it's going to hurt when you're sitting on your couch in March thinking of what could have been with this team. It's also just tough to swallow the fact that Elijah Hughes did not play last night, and that could be the tiebreaker here. If It depends on how long he's out, obviously. If he, if he doesn't come back, this season's kind of a wash at this point. If he doesn't come back for Florida State or Louisville, and you lose those two, and he's banged up for the, you know, the foreseeable future, at least an extent of time, I just don't know how they play their way back into the bubble conversation without him. I mean, they no, really they don't. had a lot of things go their way last they night, and they still lost to a mediocre team. Tonight showed you that this team is only going to go as far as Elijah Hughes can take it. And when you don't have three guys who can shoot the basketball out there, 
it's going to be a long night. And, and you're going to play some, some, some really good teams now. And if you don't have that third scoring option out there, it's, it's not going to end well. It really isn't. Yep. Well, we will have the full Florida State preview later on this week. We're going to release that on Friday. I think we're going to maybe talk some recruiting tomorrow. We'll see. We'll have to figure out and tomorrow. But Friday, we'll have another pod Friday, tomorrow for we've sure. We've got Matthew Gutierrez from The Athletic joining yes. us. He's going to be co-hosting. Exactly. You're, so you're going to be flying around the country in true Tim Leonard fashion. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to be co-hosting with Matthew Gutierrez. So I'm excited for that. Yeah. So be sure to check that out with Goody on Friday. He will join us from The Athletic and we'll probably talk some football recruiting tomorrow. But that'll do it for this NC State recap episode. Follow us on Twitter at LO underscore Syracuse. You can follow Tyler Rocky at Tyler AKI underscore. And you can follow myself at Tim underscore Leonard four on Twitter. Syracuse falls to 59 on Ken Palm, 14 and 10 on the And the Wolfpack get ice cream Yes. And we don't get to check Pack Pride, which is... You know what? We might we do can. it anyway. It's just not we as might. much fun. We'll read yeah. some of the best entries later. They're, they're probably still complaining, knowing them. But they do get the last laugh tonight over Syracuse. So we will talk to you guys tomorrow.